Hollow Mountain Publishing presents My Castle, Book Two of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 3 Candy's Heritage I've heard enough, came a scathing, high-pitched voice. I'm not going to get dragged into... Candy's mom gestured towards the lioness. Whatever this is, you're not here to be dragged into anything. Katie immediately shot back. As our parents, we just thought you should know what is going on in our lives. Thank you for being so informative, came the sarcastic reply. Now, I know I'm not going to allow this to affect my life, Mrs. Franklin said sternly. Candace, you are going to stop this nonsense immediately. It's not exactly something I can stop, Candy said defensively. I am not going to allow you to destroy everything I have worked for, Mrs. Franklin interrupted Candy. We have a reputation to uphold, a family name that is admired, she gestured towards Candy. You are going to quit this fiasco? Or find yourself on the streets. Katie couldn't believe what she was hearing. She studied Mrs. Franklin, no longer thinking her beautiful, but ugly. Her green eyes filled with hatred. Her lips sneered towards them. She didn't have to see Candy's face to know she was heartbroken. She felt the emotion as it rippled through her body. Mother, please, Candy pleaded. This seemed to please Candy's mom. Mrs. Franklin liked to hear Candy beg. This is your choice, not mine. You choose to be an animal. You can live like them. She turned and walked out the door. Katie turned to see Candy's father get up and face his daughter. Daddy, Candy's face was hopeful, her voice pleading. I'm sorry, Candace. I'm sure your mother will calm down in a few days. He shoved his hands into his front pockets of his tailored pants. Maybe it's best you stay with your friends for a while. Without looking back, he turned and walked out the door. The Seekers exploded in snarls and roars as the Franklins got into their vehicle, stunned. Katie stood staring at the open door. Turning back around, she saw Jackson had wrapped his arms around Candy while she was crying profusely. You can live with me. I'm sure it's no problem, Katie said quickly, giving her mother a glance. I'm never good enough. Candy sobbed into Jackson's chest. I try so hard. 
It's never good enough. Sometimes I wonder if I'm really theirs. Katie felt Candy's heartbreak and stood motionless, unable to help her friend. You are not a Franklin, my dear, but a Martineau. In fact, you are the image of your great-great-grandmother. Katie turned towards the voice. To see Miss Smith standing close, Candy stopped crying, facing the older woman. What? Anne Martineau was the kindest, most gentlest person I have ever known. Miss Smith said softly, I have been around for a long time. You take after her in looks and disposition. Forrest nodded stiffly in agreement. He had followed Miss Smith and was standing within inches of the snarling lioness. Anne is the reason we were able to live in this area. Jackson held Candy protectively, his glance disbelieving. What are you talking about? He said through stiff lips. His jaws clenched with emotion. Miss Smith glanced towards Forrest, who gave her a negative gesture. She frowned, then seemed to make a decision, turning towards the teenagers. My sister and I moved with the other Cherokee to Oklahoma. We lived there till most of our loved ones died. The next generation of Cherokee was content to live in the flatland. We longed to see the mountains of our homeland again. After the war between the states, we decided it was time to return to the land of the sugary people. We came to this mountain and lived for a time. We were happy and lived in the old ways. We avoided all people, and would turn into animal form when they came near our home. Miss Smith paused for a moment, glancing towards Forrest, who was emphatically shaking his head. Obviously deciding to ignore him, she continued, The closest white settlement was the Martineau Plantation. The family had lived there for a number of years. They owned hundreds of acres. Most of it was heavily wooded and wild. Men came and started cutting down the trees, destroying the wild areas of Appalachia. That was the time forest changed into a were animal. The magic of the mountains was trying to stop the white men from raping the land and cutting down all the trees. The Martineau family saw the potential profit in cutting down the forest and owned the largest logging company in Appalachia. The youngest daughter, Anne, became our friend and allowed us to live on her land. Miss Smith's eyes traveled the faces of the listeners. Nothing is simple, nor is it black and white. When we first arrived, 
We expected to hate the people who possessed our lands. In truth, they were simple people, just wanting a piece of land to call their own. They worked and lived a hard life. Miss Smith looked around as her audience quietly listened. When the Civil War ended, the black man was free. While the occupation of the Northern troops lasted, they were allowed to vote and own property. The Cherokee were not considered U.S. citizens. Therefore, the right to own property was never ours. She pointed towards the old man standing next to her. Forrest fought in the Big War and became a decorated soldier. When the war was over, they gave him a "Thank you very much, Chief," and sent him home. Katie shook her head at the irony, but believed every word the old woman was saying. The family who owned the lumber company. Intending on destroying the wild lands of Appalachia by cutting down every tree was the very family who allowed us to live on this mountain and call it our own. Smith looked around the room. It was obvious we were supposed to stop the deforestation of the sacred mountains, yet. The people who actually cut down the trees were poor, hard-working souls. They were only trying to earn enough to take care of their families. The old woman's watery eyes stared straight at Katie. How are you supposed to fight that particular foe? Katie stared at Miss Smith, unable to take her eyes off the old woman. How were you able to stop it? Look around you. The old woman gestured. Do you see any trees in the mountain? The size of the trees which was used to build this lodge. Katie glanced at the walls she had grown used to, the massive logs the hunting lodge was made of. She remembered the first time she had entered the lodge and was astonished. By how large the logs were, she remembered Candy telling her the lodge was built just after the Civil War. No, she said softly. Two thirds of all the trees in the Smoky Mountain Range were cut down before it became a national park. Miss Smith emphasized, "We worked hard." With a Colonel David Chapman and several other wealthy businessmen out of Knoxville to establish a national park in the Smoky Mountains, it took a lot of dedicated people working non-stop. But we finally were able to preserve the sacred mountains. How am I connected to the Martinel family? Candy asked quietly. Miss Smith turned to face Candy, her lips moving on their own accord. Before any sound came out, you are the great, great 
granddaughter of Anne Martineau. She pointed towards Candy. She was the youngest and roamed these hills as a small child. She knew we lived on the mountain long before we were aware of her watching us. One day she came out of the bushes. She asked us in a very matter-of-fact voice if she could turn into an animal like us. The old woman smiled at the memory. We didn't know how to react. Forrest here wanted to kill her. I did not. Forrest exploded in outrage. Yes, you did. Miss Smith answered with a sniff. She turned back to her audience. When she was older, she was the last Martineau alive. She put the land that is now the town of Lexus into a trust. As far as the state of Tennessee was concerned, Lexus was an unchartered city. The land was placed in a trust to the people who lived there until such a time when the country would recognize Native Americans as citizens. When that time came, the people could then divide the land amongst themselves. The city would then be chartered to the state of Tennessee. When was that? Jackson asked cautiously. Martin Luther King did not just help the black people in a degrading caste system. He helped all people of color have equal rights, Miss Smith said in a very schoolteacher's voice. I don't want to sound stupid, but exactly when did that happen? Katie asked. Miss Smith sniffed again and looked towards Katie. The Civil Rights Bill was enacted in 1964 by Lyndon Johnson. We didn't really believe it would change anything. We waited ten more years before we officially dissolved the trust and set up, creating the charter town of Lexus. The Martineau Plantation has been empty since Anne died? Katie had always felt a loss and sense of sadness when she viewed the old plantation home. Miss Smith eyed her for a moment before turning to Candy. Anne's daughter, Lexis, lived in the plantation home with her husband till he died. She tried to keep up the old place, came too much for her. She sighed. It was all so very sad. Her daughter did not want to have anything to do with the old house or her mother. She had larger dreams that did not include Lexus and its occupants. She shook her head. We helped her. But when Lexus died, we never saw her daughter, Virginia, ever again. Virginia, my grandmother, Candy said.
She has Alzheimer's and lives in a healthcare center in Nashville. Miss Smith exchanged a look with Forrest. We wondered. Katie looked back towards Miss Smith. What aren't you telling us? Miss Smith looked down guiltily. Not only was the land set in trust, but future monies set aside for unforeseen items like property taxes. We were only allowed to invest a small percentage. The rest was placed in gold coins. We saw the wisdom in this when the stock market crashed several times and banks went under. We were always able to maintain our current standing. When we chartered and no longer had the trust, Virginia demanded all leftover assets. She said they belonged to her since she was a direct descendant of Anne. Miss Smith shrugged. She would not even talk to us. She just sent us a letter from her attorney demanding the gold. We discussed it thoroughly amongst ourselves. We tried to come up with all kinds of excuses not to give her the money. In the end, we handed over all the gold. We could not bring ourselves to fight with Anne's family. It was a considerable amount. She sighed and looked guilty again. When the plantation home was placed on the auction block for back taxes, we were not in a position to help. The room was silent for a couple of minutes while each person contemplated what they had just learned. Katie... Katie turned to see her mom standing close to her with a worried expression on her face. Yeah, I bought the old Martineau Plantation home three years ago. What? Katie turned to face her mother, confusion evident on her features. Her mother glanced between Katie and Candy, an apologetic look on her face. I always felt a connection to the place, and when I heard it was going up for auction... I couldn't resist the chance to buy it. You own the plantation house? Candy asked, her voice barely a whisper. Katie's mom nodded her head. The state law requires a three-year period for the former owners to come up with the money after the auction has taken place. The three years were up last January. Amy Johnson shrugged. I'm sorry, I didn't know. That's okay. Candy gave a shrug. I know you will take care of it. I would rather have someone I know. She looked over at Katie. And a friend? She smiled a watery smile. I don't have the means to take care of it, even if I still owned it. Katie smiled a reassuring smile. You can stay with us as long as you want. No, she will not, came a strong voice in the back. Everyone stopped and looked towards the sound of the voice. Mrs. Black stepped up and pulled Candy out of Jackson's arms. You're coming home with us! Candy stared into the dark eyes of Soraya Black, her own once again swelling up in tears. You want me? 
I don't know what your parents are thinking. I guess they need to bury a daughter before they realize what they have. I've lost a daughter, and I see a young girl who needs parents. She grabbed her into a big bear hug. You are coming home with me, she said so strongly no one dared argue. Katie watched the scene a little longer. She glanced over at Jackson, who was once again giving his mom a hug. His dad was standing proudly, clapping him on the back. Seeing her watch him, he gave her a sheepish grin. Jackson's dad, noticing her, watching them, reached out for her hand. I don't think we've been introduced. My name is Jack Price. Katie raised her eyebrows, automatically grasping her hand with his. Nice to meet you, Mr. Price. I want to thank you for everything you've done for my son, he said in a loud voice. The way I see it, he would have been lost forever if it hadn't been for you. Katie felt her face getting hot. We helped each other, sir. She then looked over at Jackson, who was watching her closely, still grinning. Jack, she said with her thoughts. Your dad's name is Jack? Jackson's grin turned into a big smile. She could hear his chuckle in her mind. Son of Jack? That's how you got the name of Jackson? Jackson was laughing at her expression, his eyes watering. I was thinking on the fly. She couldn't help the chuckle that escaped her throat. Yeah, I can see that. Still grinning, she faced the milling crowd. We've had a long night, she said to nobody in particular. Let's all go home. She watched her friends and their parents slowly start to leave. Each parent tucking their arm around their child in a protective gesture. Candy firmly placed in the arms of Mrs. Black. She gently told her mom she would meet her at home. She gave Tyler a final wave goodbye. She felt the first butterflies in her stomach when she noticed the dark figure still leaning against the wall. She instinctively knew what David wanted. No, take that back. He needed more information. She stood and watched the last of the headlights leave the small parking area before turning and facing him. She didn't know what she expected. She automatically took one step backward when she found David's hard, angry eyes. Hi, this is Diana Kilpack. I hope you've enjoyed this week's session of My Castle, the second book in the Appalachian Storm series. Until next week, when our imaginations meet again, have a great day.